on Fulham Road, wreathed in canisters of blue smoke, holding a homemade banner reading fans not customers. Was very heaven yes. Who can forget the famous European Super League protests of April 2021? They were a vibe. Weren't they? Peace and love in Florentino Paris memes. Prince William ferrying cups of tea and bottled water out to the picket line. Rival fans linking arms and bonding over the German 50 plus 1 model. How strong we were. How right we were. How we showed them four months after they gathered in fury at the gates of Old Trafford. Manchester United fans were at Molyneux raising a life-size cardboard cutout of Cristiano Ronaldo, serenading their new superstar signing. There were similarly festal scenes at the Etihad Stadium, where the sack-the-board placards from the Carabao Cup final had been replaced by a burgeoning catalogue of Jack Grealish songs. At Anfield, Chelsea fans who in April had denounced Roman Abramovich in the board with cries of you greedy bastards. You've ruined our club were now singing about their new £97.5 million striker Romelu Lukaku and, you know, why not? Fans aren't politicians or pundits or activists, like everyone else, they just want to be happy and enjoy nice things. Transfer culture, the lust and baying for expensive new signings, is often rather sniffily derided as a tawdry distraction from the real essence of football. In fact, the thirst for renewal and growth, the fresh August promise of new faces and new stories, new beginnings and new hope, is a basic and indivisible part of fandom of all levels even, so it's vaguely amusing to recall now. In the febrile last weeks of the 2020-21 season, that many Premier League owners were extremely uneasy about the return of fans to stadiums, given the toxic fallout of the Super League breakaway. What would happen when restrictions were finally lifted, and the gates were thrown open? Full-scale insurrection in the stands? Riots? Pitch invasions? Boycotts instead the spirit of insurgency? Dissent and cooperation, that so electrifyingly gripped English football in April, appears to have dissipated in the space of one spectacular transfer window. A planned protest by Arsenal fans against the crunky ownership last weekend attracted barely a few dozen fans. Liverpool fans seem at present most exercised by their owners' lack of productivity in the transfer market. Meanwhile the Tottenham chairman, Daniel Levy, is being hailed as some sort of strategic genius for outwitting Charlie Kane, the football agent and brother of Harry Kane clearly the underlying discontent is still there, in varying degrees. The brazenness and disdain of the Super League breakaway may not have been forgiven. But for the moment it has certainly been forgotten. The natural hypothesis is that owners have simply bought off the loyalty and quiescence of their fans with flowers, chocolates and attacking midfielders. The truth is probably a little more complex, and stems from the fact that the Super League protests were often inflected with other long-standing grievances, a historical lack of infrastructure investment at Manchester United, poor performances on the pitch at Arsenal, poor strategic decisions at Tottenham, a general sensation of aloofness and disconnect at Liverpool. Fans of Chelsea and Manchester City, by contrast, have been largely happy with their owners. Which is probably why their anger subsided quickest, new signings may address these issues to some extent. But importantly, they offer at least the illusion of renewal, of appeasement, of listening. In the meantime, they create one hell of a distraction, not just swallowing up column inches and airtime, but stirring debate and division, shifting the conversation onto more familiar, less threatening ground and, so the real point here, isn't about the caprice or hypocrisy of fans, but the sheer impossibility of sustaining any sort of concerted opposition to a power that is in many respects impregnable, that holds all the cards, that is able to set its own irresistible agenda. Disgruntled citizens can vote out a government. Oppressed employees can go on strike and bring their company to a halt. What can individual fans, voiceless and unorganized, 
and so evidently an essential to the basic functioning of the product, realistically achieve the Super League was in many ways an easy target, a distinct and urgent enemy, that everybody could understand, a clear threat with a terrible website. But what if the thing you're protesting against isn't a league, or an individual but a structure, a system, one in which we are all somehow implicated? It turns out we could all agree on what we didn't want. What do we want instead? A couple of weeks ago, the former Crystal Palace owner Simon Jordan offered a telling insight. I think some of these United fans are a little bit whiny, he said. They don't want the Glazers there. Well, too bad. They spent £110 million this year. It would appear to me, they're backing the football club this, perhaps, is the fullest expression of how football's ownership class sees its customers, a powerless irritant, an infantile racket. They're betting that fans' thirst for new signings and new content, for silverware and tribal conflict, will outstrip its thirst for change. Will anyone, can anyone, prove them wrong? While Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Juventus have not given up hope of relaunching their European Super League project the two El Clasico rivals have become allied over their position on the breakaway plans, which they continue to strongly support alongside that of Italian giants Juventus the trio have released several joint statements over recent months, outlining their continued support of the plans, despite the other nine founding members of the project abandoning the idea of Italian giants Milan and Inter, alongside Spanish club Atletico Madrid, confirmed they could no longer support the idea, leaving just three clubs left to cheerlead for it none of Real Madrid, Barcelona, nor Juventus will be present for the European Club Association a body representing the interests of professional association football clubs in UEFA, the trio of clubs, have now hired major PR firm Flint to help up clean up the image of the idea and to create a sellable product that will not receive the criticism that the plans were subjected to when launched in April Flint, have put together a presentation document entitled Paving the Way to the Super League, Strategies for Reconstruction, the restart and the triumph the PR firm are now set to engage in a major campaign, which will portray UEFA as an abusive monopoly, whilst portraying the Super League plans as the only alternative that can save the sport due to the backlash the project received less than five months ago, and that all other nine founding member clubs have entirely disassociated themselves from the plans. It remains unlikely that such a campaign would be able to attain any breakthrough the ECA is now under the leadership of Paris Saint-Germain owner Nasser Al-Khalafi and has accepted the six bandits from the Premier League back into their ranks following their backtracking on the Super League none of those six clubs have yet to be readmitted into their committee positions within the body. A sign that not all has been forgiven among the major players of European football none of the clubs involved in the project faced any expulsion or sporting punishment following their involvement in the breakaway plans. Remember to follow Golia by hitting the follow button and slapping a five-star review on the show or tapping the love icon. Let's get to 1 million followers and tune in daily for new episodes.